All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Daily Face-Off Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis, live every weekday at noon Eastern. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Daily Faceoff Show. Today is Tuesday, May 10th. We're streaming live on dailyfaceoff.com as well as Twitter and YouTube. He is former NHL player Colby Cohen, now Chicago Blackhawks color analyst. Pleased to welcome him into the show, co-hosting uh, for the first time and also a childhood friend. So glad to reconnect. Colby, how you doing? Uh, you, you left out the best part that we were line mates when we were just like <laughs> nine or 10 years old. So I know most people yeah. don't believe that you were a good hockey player, but I'm always the guy to remind everybody for you. Yeah, I don't talk about any sort of minor hockey exploits, partly because the list was so short and people wouldn't believe me anyway. Um, Colby, finally some drama last night in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and let's start with that. You look at the nation's capital and the Caps had the Florida Panthers, the President's Trophy winners on the ropes. Colby, they were this close when you take a look at the Garnet Hathaway <laughs> empty net attempt from icing the Florida Panthers, putting them down three to one late in the third period. And that also would have put them down three to one heading back home for game five. So when you take a look at this, is this a missed opportunity for the Washington Capitals in game four, or are you confident that the Florida Panthers are now in the driver's seat? I'm definitely not confident uh, that Florida's in the driver's seat. But I also, Frank, thought that uh, Florida deserved to win that game last night. As much as they had to come back and as much as they had to 
you know, kind of fight through, score that late goal, and then get it into overtime. I felt like that was their most complete effort. And while I just still don't like the way the Florida Panthers are playing, and I still feel like they just don't look the same. They're not skating quite the same. They're not playing with the pace. Uh, and honestly, they just, to me, Frank, they don't look like they're playing heavy enough on to go along the walls. Yeah, I hear you, and I'm with you because I don't think the Florida Panthers are out of the woods quite yet. It feels like they got a little bit closer and took a step in the right direction on Monday night, but you know, overall, they were still that close. And the the Caps, you know, I've been saying it for the last few days. I don't know that we're giving them enough credit. Evgeny Kuznetsov is the perfect example of what he said post game, um, which was, "We're not worried about offense. They seem perfectly comfortable." putting up 16 shots on net. He said, we'll have time for offense in the beer league in summer hockey. That was his exact quote. And so uh, that's the mentality of the Caps. That's the mentality that they probably needed to have coming into this series against uh, a team like Florida that went through the regular season scoring at will. And this, you know, this playoff postseason run so far, they haven't been able to find it. Really interesting for me, Colby, when you take a look at the latter stages of game four, too, with Carter Verhage scoring the OT winner, that that goal that they scored with the net empty six on five was their first goal scored with the man advantage all series long. Yeah, well, they finally looked comfortable, too. They got in, they set it up. Ekblad was out on the ice for that six-on-five. I know, you know, there's been a lot of conversations about should he be with that top group. You think about Giroux and him never really got to play with each other, and Giroux plays on that half wall. So, you know, they've got work to do, and I'm still, in my opinion, leaning on the Caps. I think they've got that leadership. They've been more physical. You mentioned Hathaway. I think he's been really effective in this series, and you know, I'm just still kind of waiting to see guys like Kuberdo, guys like Giroux, and guys like Barkov wake up and, and take control. Yeah, well, they're running out of time to do that. And I thought it was a good sign for the Panthers, though, that they were able to get that equalizer and then get the OT win. Uh, it does show a bit uh, of certainly commitment from their part uh, in a pressure-packed situation. You don't want to be going home down 3-1. to one. They find a way to pull it through. We'll see if they have new life, if they have a chance to exhale. One team, Colby, that really will have a chance to exhale is the Colorado Avalanche because they're going to have the next (laughs) week or so to watch the Minnesota Wild and the St. Louis Blues beat each other up in their first-round matchup because the Avs swept the Nashville Predators uh, for nothing on Monday night. You look at how they've outscored Nashville here, 21 to 10. Uh, it has been, it was an absolute bloodbath. Kale McCarr was a monster in the first round. He ended up with as many points or more points, I should say, than the Nashville Predators scored in goals. So he outscored them 10 to nine in the series. He ends up with three goals and he is now leading the postseason in scoring. McCarr has been a beast and the abs don't look like they're slowing down at all. But as a former player yourself, when you're looking at a series like this and you now have maybe as much as a week off, do you have any concern on your part in terms of the rest that the Avs might be getting and the rust factor? Uh, I would say there's obviously a factor because when you're a professional athlete and you go even, let's say, two days without being on the ice, the third day back out on the ice, the first few minutes, you don't feel comfortable on your skates. And 
that might be something hard to understand or hard to believe. But when you're just so used to it and your body is so used to constantly putting on that gear, that type of layoff in games can certainly affect you, especially your conditioning level. But look, Colorado, Frank, they, they to me look like they're on a mission. You see the physical play. You see the way McKinnon uh, has been playing his motor. McCarr, to me, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a defenseman more dominant, period. I think what he did in that series just solidifies why he should win the Norris Trophy. Um, I think he totally outplayed Yossi. I'm one of the people that thinks voting for those types of awards should have playoff implications. I know that's not a popular opinion, but ultimately, Frank, they don't look to be slowing down. They look like they're on a mission, and I think the rest is going to end up working out for them in their favor, although they might have a slow period in game one of the next round. Yeah, I mean, I just look at the Avs. They don't really, they didn't really show any sign of weakness at all. Um, you know, even when push came to shove against the Preds and the Preds punched back a bit, the Avs always seemed to have an answer. And maybe it was always going to be that way because the Preds were going into the series without UC Soros and the way that they spotted uh, Colorado some goals, particularly to start some of those games, they never really had a chance. But I guess in the end, Daryl Sutter was right. A waste of eight days for the Nashville Predators <laughs> who have some pretty significant questions to answer for themselves. And we'll get to one of those later on in our inbox question. But for now, let's take a look at the Pittsburgh Penguins and the way that they absolutely demolished the New York Rangers and Igor Shesterkin in game four on home ice. The Pittsburgh Penguins end up scoring 14 goals in their two games at home at PPG Paints Arena to take a 3-1 series lead over the Rangers. Shesterkin was pulled for the second time in the series. Uh, the likely Vezina Trophy winner hasn't looked like the likely Vezina Trophy winner with his play in this series, but not really all on him, is it? As the Rangers go back to the garden down 3-1 against the Penguins team that you know can taste blood in the water, and Sidney Crosby has been ridiculous in this series, should we stick a fork in the Rangers? I would say so. I think Shesterkin looks tired to me, Frank. And, and I don't put any of these losses directly on his shoulders when you look at the goals. You know, but ultimately, these goaltenders that are Vesna caliber goaltenders, and I saw it with Marc-Andre Fleury all season here in Chicago, is, is they make the saves they're supposed to, and then they make the saves that they're not supposed to. And, you know, you're not seeing Shesterkin steal some of these plays that he probably has no business saving, but he made those saves all year. I think I saw something that he has never really played more than 40 or 45 games in a season, which he's well eclipsed at this point um, throughout his career. And I do think that fatigue sets in and, you know, with a player like that, especially a, a player that doesn't have hundreds and hundreds of games of inexperience, that can certainly bring you down back to, to earth. And, you know, ultimately, I just think you're seeing these youthful mistakes out of the New York Rangers. And I don't necessarily mean the kid line, Frank, because I think Lafreniere and Capo Caco have shown me that they are going to be good hockey players. And that line with Heedle has been good. But you've just seen the inexperience throughout their decor. And ultimately, the savvy pens, Crosby, Malkin, Latang, those guys have been good. So why haven't the Rangers had an answer for Sidney Crosby, who has nine points in the series? 
you know, he's been the big difference maker almost every night, even in game uh, one, the triple overtime game. Like he's found a way to create chances almost every single shift. And yet the Rangers have done no better job as the series has advanced in keying in on him. Yeah, he just stays so on top of the puck and positionally you watch him. He's two, three steps ahead of everybody out on the ice and there's been no answer down the middle. Zabinijad uh, has just really not had anything close to what Crosby has brought to this series. And look, I think Mike Sullivan has outcoached Gerard Gallant. And I know Gerard Gallant is a favorite and people like him around the league and respect him, as do I. But, you know, I give Mike Sullivan a lot of credit for the way that he's matched lines, the way that he's pulled and pushed buttons throughout his lineup and the way he's got his troops going. Yeah, crazy to think Louis the King Deming also tied for the playoff lead in wins with Spicy three or nine. Yeah. D2 save percentage. I don't think we're ever going to hear the end of the spicy pork comment. And uh, yeah, I think he's a little bit over it as well. I think you can tell in some interviews. Uh, Kobe, let's take a look you at think tonight's you're matchup. Get Jari back? I, I do actually, but they may not even need to in this round, which might even be the best thing for them if they don't have to rush him back. Tristan Jari is about, I think he's potential for game six, game seven in that range. If they can close it out in five, just get him that much more rest for the fractured bone in his foot and have him ready for game one of round two. Wow. Uh, That would be a pretty big boost for the Penguins to get their all-star goaltender back. And Frank, I know that the buzzer sung, but I got to say this, those broken bones in your foot, I had one. I think it was either my second or third training camp. um, And... That lingered. I mean, I came back after maybe like four to six weeks, but that is something that lingered and hurt me for another year. So I think the more time he has, obviously, the better. I think the warmer weather will actually help because I remember cold weather really affecting my foot even worse. And then I can't imagine as a goaltender blocking a shot. I mean, that's a whole element that at least I could flamingo out of the way, you know? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you were pretty good at the Flamingo. That's just something as a goalie you really you can't end up avoiding. Kobe, uh, let's take a look at tonight's uh, Game 5s. You've got four series all knotted up at two apiece. And, you know, I, I look at this, this slate and I say, which team here can least afford to lose Game 5? Who stands out for you? I think it's the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, I just do not think that they can lose. And I know uh, you might have a similar thought process. And, and, you know, I look at, I think if Tampa Bay loses tonight, they could still win the series. I think if Boston loses tonight, they could still win the series. And I think that goes for the bottom two as well. I do think um, LA's in trouble. If they lose tonight, I'd probably put them second behind the Leafs. But ultimately, with all the pressure in Toronto and with the noise about Jack Campbell from last game, you know, tonight I would say it is an absolute must win more for the Leafs than anybody else. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. And just really from the factor of, I don't see the Leafs beating the Tampa Bay Lightning too straight. No one's done it in three playoff years. The Lightning are 16-0 and coming off of a loss. And that's essentially what you'd have to do, win game six and seven, if you end up losing game five. This series kind of mirrored the end of the regular season series for these two teams head-to-head. It's blowout after blowout, but it's been alternating. And that's gone back to the last two games of the regular season and the first four of this. 
not really any close games. So I don't know who has the advantage because, you know, there's been no momentum back and forth. It just feels like every time you think that the Leafs are going to be in the driver's seat, the lightning sort of punch back and you're like, okay, well, these are the two-time defending cup champs. You know, where's their weakness? I don't see it. They just find a way to flip the switch at the right time every time, it seems. Yeah, and look, at the end of the day, for me, I'm betting on Vasilevsky over Jack Campbell. I'm betting on Victor Hedman and Ryan McDonough. I'm betting on Stamkos and Point. When it comes to those tense moments, when it comes to those Game 6 moment, Game 7 moment that we are going to see, I got my money on those guys. Um, You know, I I would like to see Toronto eventually get into a second round of the playoffs. I'd like to see Austin Matthews get to star through a playoffs. I think it'd be great for the game. Uh, But ultimately, I just think the matchup is is bad for them. And I I like the goaltending position in particular. And I like Tampa Bay's ability to dig in and flip that switch and say, tonight is the night where we end this thing. Yeah, I, at some point, the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to break through. I think they're too good not to. In the meantime, they've got plenty of question marks. You mentioned Jack Campbell and Nett. Where's John Tavares been? Some pretty quiet moments as well from William Nylander and pr- plenty of heat from him on him in the Toronto market. So yeah. oof. You, saw, you saw that play he made uh, in the last game that, that Edzo uh, pointed out and then he didn't play for a while. And, you know, for me, the best part if Toronto does lose is the fact that Biz is going to have to shave the top of his head and leave <laughs> the hair along the side. I mean, to me, that's that's worth the price of admission, sitting him, having him sit on that set every night with that haircut. Yeah. So, you know, we've been saying all along the Toronto Maple Leafs are appointment viewing for one way or the other. Either they break through or it's just drama and chaos in Toronto. You know, that that thing with that bet with Biz Nasty on the TNT set may be uh, even more more so appointment viewing than that. Let's get to the Calgary Flames and let's break down their game four win over the Dallas Stars with today's All-32. Pleased to welcome back to the Daily Faceoff show, Pat Steinberg, who covers the Calgary Flames for Sportsnet 960 for this edition of the All 32 delivered by DoorDash. Pat, it just felt like one of those nights for the Calgary Flames who entered Dallas and just weren't going to be denied. You look at the shots that they put up in the first period, throwing everything but the kitchen sink at Jake Ottinger, almost 40 shots on goal through the first two periods. So as the Flames head back to the Dome, have they cracked the code of the Dallas Stars in round one? Maybe. Um, they, they definitely did what they needed to do from start to finish on, on Monday night. And, and you know, the biggest thing about this series for me going into game four, because the Flames hadn't played poorly in the first three games. It's not like they were bad in the two games that they had lost. But what was really hurting them was they weren't getting kind of those game-changing dominant performances from their best players, and they weren't making life difficult on Jake Ottinger between the pipes for Dallas. And and that's not taking a single thing away from Jake because he has been outstanding, and even when they did last night make life difficult on him and got traffic and bodies to the net and made him work, he was still outstanding. That stop on Tyler Toffoli is one of the saves of the playoffs, and he made 
two or three saves that were not far behind in terms of how uh, how good those saves were. So he has been outstanding, but the Flames finally made him really work. They finally made it more difficult for him to work through traffic and he had to w- look around bodies and fight for space and that was huge and they were able to drive things with their top line. Johnny Gaudreau had a dominant performance, maybe the best playoff game I've ever seen Johnny play and, and I've covered every game that he's played in Calgary. That's got to be the best playoff game he's ever played. Elias Lindholm continues to be great. Matthew Kachuk got his game back on track. Calgary's top pairing was strong and Jacob Markstrom was really good between the pipes once again. So it was it was the type of game that for the first time in this series resembled the team that the Calgary Flames were when they won 50 games in the regular season. They drove possession. They had shot volume through the roof. Uh, they didn't allow a whole lot. And when they did have the rare breakdown, they had Jacob Markstrom there to back him up. And their top line, even though they went with 11 forwards instead of 12 last night, when their top line of Lindholm, Kachuk, and Kedrow was together, it was great. And uh, it was it was. It was the offensive engine and the offensive driver for him. So if they do that again, to to go back to your question, yeah, I, I do think that is the formula. That is the blueprint. The question now is, can they do it two more times in the next three games? Well, I certainly agree with, um, you know, your assessment on a lot of that stuff. It definitely looked a lot more like the Calgary Flames that I saw roll through Chicago a couple times and just smother the Blackhawks and just really give them no life from puck drop to the, to the final horn, you know, the way they come at you, stay on top of you, their discipline. Um, You know, I'm watching Johnny Gaudreau play last night. He has a signature Johnny moment. Uh, He gets a breakaway. He ends up with the penalty shot. There's all this pressure right now. You've got Daryl Sutter calling him out a little bit in the press conference, um, you know, saying he's got to do his job. Do you look at this moment for Johnny Hockey and think this is the moment that takes the pressure and the monkey off his back where he can now be that dominant player that we saw score 100 plus points and really we've seen dominate regular seasons now since he's entered the league? Is it time for him now to really take that step and, and you know put himself in a position to carry his team in the playoffs? Well, that was that was a big time player making a big time play in a big time spot last night, and that's not always something that you've seen from Johnny. And to your point about what Daryl said, he was referencing Johnny's game three breakaway when they were down by one. Dallas had just scored their go ahead goal in the third period, thanks to Joe Pavelski. And a few minutes later, Johnny had that uncontested breakaway, and Jake Ottinger stopped him. And you you have to think that that was running through his head as he was getting ready for that penalty shot last night with an opportunity to put the Flames up by two in a game that, you know, despite the fact that Calgary controlled start to finish, Dallas was still getting, you know, these these pretty decent quality chances every three or four minutes and Markstrom had to still be pretty tight. So a one-goal lead did not feel comfortable. And what I liked about it is that that penalty shot goal was, yeah, the big-time moment and the signature play, as you said, but it was part of a really good game for Johnny and, and a night where he was dynamic all night long and also faced a little adversity. He took that hit from Vlad Nemestikov early. Uh, I still have only seen the two looks at it. I still don't know if he got caught in the head or if it was just a big jolt to, to, the, to the shoulder that got him. But regardless, he left. 
um, was gone for the first half of the first period, looked a little shaken up, came back. And we've seen at times in the past, especially in the playoffs, if something like that happens, maybe uh, maybe it throws Johnny off his game a little bit. Did not happen. Made him better, I feel like. And and so he was, he was driving play. He was not finding ways past Jake Ottinger. That line wasn't finding ways past Jake Ottinger. And then he gets that penalty shot, and he still buries. And and I thought that was huge. And about five minutes later, he had a primary on Elias Lindholm's three nothing goal. So it was it was one of those games, to your point, Colby, where I think that that's that's the type of game that I think Johnny can say, yes, I know I can do it in the postseason. I know I can be the same dominant force in the playoffs when things are harder, things are more physical. There's less room out there. I can still be that guy that put up 115 points in the regular season. It's not going to be like that every night. We all know that. But that's the type of night in a big spot against a team that has frustrated Calgary throughout this series where he still was able to take over. And I think that's huge for Johnny as this series and as this postseason continues. Well, it's a little Johnny? BC on BU Prime as well, so I know that's always <laughs> a little bit extra fire. A little bit extra fire for those guys. I, I certainly uh, had a couple of text messages to and from about that scenario. So uh, good to see him break through. So Johnny Gaudreau delivered four points in four games in the series. Pat Steinberg always delivers. You can hear him on Flames Talk on Sportsnet 960, four to seven Mountain Time every day, Monday to Friday. Pat, thank you so much. You know who else delivers? DoorDash. All your favorites and more delivered right to your door. You see the promo codes there at the bottom of your screen, D-F-O-D-D if you're in Canada, D-F-O-D-D-U-S if you're in the United States. That gets you 25% off and free delivery on your first order with DoorDash. All your favorites and more right to your door. All right, Colby, it's time for our daily face-off show inbox question of the day. Hashtag ask DFO. We had some news just in the last few minutes here. Patrick Marlowe formally announcing his retirement. Uh, the NHL's games played leader. Uh, what an absolute career he had. He announces his retirement on the Players' Tribune. But uh, speaking of one player stepping away, I want to ask you about this clip that was seen on social media after the Preds were eliminated in game four it's philip forsberg taking a long long lap around the bridgestone arena ice taking everything in perhaps for one last time as a pending unrestricted free agent as a former player when you see something like this what's going through his head what's he thinking and you know does is that his way of saying hey maybe this could be my last game in a preds uniform a hundred percent frank and i think that's a guy who just finished up a, a six-year contract who's skating around Bridgestone, which is an, an incredible environment to play in, especially come playoffs. You know, the fans really embrace that team. I've got to take in playoff games. I've got to call playoff games there uh, over the course of, of my broadcasting career. And so, um, you know, I think he's really just taken that final lap just in case because you look at his situation you know, and, and, you know, nobody knows the contracts and, and the cap friendly status better than you do, but he's in for a big raise. He had 43 goals this year. Um, you know, 43, 42 or 43. I might, I might be off by one. You know, he's basically a 30 goal scorer every year in the NHL. 
He's going to want Roman Yossi plus type of money. Frank, you know, the Nashville Predators don't hand out those no move clauses and they generally don't hand out contracts bigger than Roman Yossi's. Yeah, it's. I think Roman Yossi is our top player. He was our top scorer. That's the message that comes from the Nashville Predators, and you're going to have to get in line behind Roman Yossi. So if if Philip Forsberg is comfortable doing that, if just and I say this, you know, with parentheses and an exclamation point, <laughs> just nine million dollars is enough for you. Well, then we have a spot for you. And I think if not. Well, the Nashville Predators are going to be forced to move on from a guy who's been incredibly productive and came over in one of the best trades uh, in recent trade deadline history, Philip Forsberg for Martin Erat. So uh, it's <laughs> been an incredible time for uh, Philip Forsberg in Nashville. We'll see if that ends up being his last game. Let's bring in Tyler Remchuk now for our daily face-off daily bet segment. Tyler, how'd you do last night? Uh, well, went one in one, but the Zabanejad bet paid out plus 115. So just a little bit of a profit here, still down 2.8 units on the playoffs, but we'll look to make that back tonight. So let's dig into the action, courtesy of our friends at Points Bet Canada, starting with that matchup at the top. And this line is moving in a direction that I like. It's the over. It's set at six. And you know what? This is either hit or pushed in every game in this series. Six goals in game one, seven in game two, six in game three, seven in game four. Ranta is the likely starter over at dailyfaceoff.com. So the fact that it's still not Freddie Anderson and we're getting a Ranta who allowed four goals last game, I think I like the over again here. Worst case scenario, in my opinion, just based on the history of the series, you're getting a push. And you're also getting plus money if it goes to seven goals in total. So I really like this spot of the over tonight in game five between Carolina and Boston. For my first player prop, I am going into the Edmonton LA matchup. And I'm taking Connor McDavid to find the back of the net. He scored in game one, but was held off the or off uh, the, the goal department, I should say, in games two, three, and four. He was held off the score sheet in game four as well as the Oilers were shut out. I don't think they're getting shut out on home ice tonight. And I think Connor McDavid will be fired up to end his mini goal scoring drought, we can call it. Plus 110 is a solid payout on this one as well. And quickly adding a last third one that I just did at the last second here. I'm back on a Victor Hedman assist. He's got five so far in the series, but they've come in two games. I like going to him tonight. The payout's minus 105. I think the Lightning will be able to score as well. So it's the over in Carolina, Boston, a McDavid goal and a Hedman apple are my three plays, Frank. I love the Connor McDavid goal pick. I'd imagine, you know, he needs a second game in the series uh, in five where he gets on the score sheet with a goal. So uh, that brings us to garbage time with Colby Cohen. Colby, what has caught your eye? I cede the floor to you. What's caught your attention from around the NHL? You know what? It's the lack of close games and the lack of third period drama. I mean, we got a little bit of it last night. You know, early on, we had that long Pittsburgh, New York game, Frank. But, you know, these five to one, four to two, five to two scores, they just don't have normal playoff feel where whether you're at the stadium, you know, or the arena, or you're at home on your couch, and that third period comes around and it's two to two, three to two, and you're just on the edge of your seat constantly, and you can feel the anxiety and sort of the, intensity on the ice and in the building. And I got to say, I, I miss it a little, Frank. I just don't feel as dialed into these lopsided games. I mean, how could you? A lot of these games have been decided by three or more goals. There's been so many blowouts. 
the funny thing is, with all that said, and even as the unwatchability has been pretty high, we're going to have six series in the first round that are going to be played uh, at least six games. So you could have a bunch of seven-game series. And so I'm hopeful that as tough as the start has been to this first round in terms of that drama and excitement, that we may ultimately end up getting a lot of it as the round closes out. Yeah, I think uh, some of these two to two series have have some good fixings to end. I'm hoping this Toronto and Tampa Bay series will sort of tighten up a little over these last couple of games. Although I just don't see how that is going to happen because again, I I don't trust uh, Jack Campbell. Um, but you know, we'll see. We'll see. I think a lot of it has to do with are they you know the players going to adapt to the fact that the referees are keeping you know, pace with, we called it one way in the regular season and we're going to call it like that in the postseason. And I think the players need to realize that it's not last year or the year before where they can get away with more different, you know, holding, hooking, you know, some of these different plays. So um, it, it remains to be seen. Yeah, Mitch Marner saying after Tuesday's morning skate, hey, look, we know what the officiating's been like in the first round so far. It's up to us to adapt, and we know the standards. So they seem comfortable with it. I think that's been a big factor, actually, in why we've seen so many lopsided games through the first round. A lot of play, uh, not just on special teams, but also at four-on-four, four, which is pretty unusual as well. Colby, I'm, I'm sure and a lot of offensive. A lot of offensive zone penalties too. I mean, um, every night teams are taking penalties 200 feet from their net. And look, especially when you're on a power play, you got to look at your other teammates after you take a penalty when you guys are on a power play. I mean, that is a hard, you know, unless you're a superstar player, like that's a hard thing to come back to the bench and look at your teammates having taken a penalty in the offensive zone like that. So um, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but, um, you know, I don't know whether, whether you'll have me back or not. So, you know, I got to make sure I get it all in. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have you back, but taking a penalty 200 feet away from your net is a pretty good way to get yourself stapled to the bench, especially in the Stanley cup playoffs. We'll get you back off the bench soon though. Uh, we'll get you back at some point here in these playoffs. Great to have you alongside. That's all the time that we have for today's daily face-off show. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news, insight, and analysis from throughout the National Hockey League and the Stanley Cup playoffs. And quickly, we'll take a look at the draft lottery odds as we have the lottery set for 6.30 p.m. Uh, you can catch that on ESPN Sportsnet as well as TVA Sports in Quebec. Uh, be really interesting. The Montreal Canadiens just posted a story on dailyfaceoff.com. They have the best draft lottery odds ever for any team, thanks to two new rule changes that were implemented for this draft lottery. You can read about that at dailyfaceoff.com. Colby, we'll be back uh, at some point during the playoffs. You and I, great to have you. And for the rest of you, you know where to find us. Wednesday, 12 noon Eastern. We'll talk to you then. Enjoy the games, everyone. Thanks for watching the Daily Face-Off Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.